Rum Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment. This is the Award Circuit Podcast. I consider myself, although I have long periods between movies, I consider myself very blessed because it's uh, whether I'm um, an acquired taste or, or I'm a recognizable signature, whatever it is, people know what to expect when they hear my name. And, and I think that has allowed me to keep working steadily. Guillermo del Toro loves cinema, and cinema loves him right back. He also knows the value of listening to your collaborators and fellow filmmakers about getting the best possible result when making a feature, especially when it's a passion project. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit podcast, we talk to the visionary filmmaker about his new animated film, Pinocchio, discussing the process of bringing it to the big screen, which took over 1,000 days to shoot, and the 22 scripts he's yet to make. Later, we chat with actor Charmaine Bingwa about her new film, Emancipation. But first, the roundtable looks at the winners from last weekend's Gotham Awards and at the reviews for Will Smith's new film, Emancipation. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everybody. It is the Variety Award Circuit Roundtable. That's where you guys clap or applaud or, Woo! or scream. Woohoo! Hey, I am TV editor Michael Schneider. I am with Clayton Davis. Uh, it's good to be with you. Yes, indeed. And Jazz Tanke. Hello. And- <laughs> oh, I, I stepped on Jazz. <laughs> See, this is what happens when we're not in the same Typ- room typical again. Typical man in Hollywood. Stepping <laughs> on women. Dogs and cats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we got Janelle Riley and... Yeah, Hello. so it's it's kind of confusing because Clayton and I are in the same room together, and then Jazz is at her house, Janelle is at her house. This is like the pandemic part three still happening, where we're all sort of separated, but nonetheless, we're bringing we're bringing the heat. I had that respiratory thing that's going around. I had that last week. The whole family got it. Oh, thanks for giving that to us. Yeah, well, I, I, well, I didn't give it. to I you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, I'm done. I'm that's done why, now. That's why Jazz and I but yeah, that, that that sucked. It was just a cough. By the way, you only know that this is my house because my headshot is behind me. <laughs> and all your goodies. And all your goodies. Yes, um, yes. yes the baby Yoda was a... But also in true Janelle style, she's actually taking a COVID test as we speak, so... I am. It's, it's looking yeah, good this, so Yeah, this far. is like Maury Povich. By the end of the episode, we'll find out if you are the father. <laughs> so. tick, tick, tick. I mean, it's been about 10 minutes because we... we I, I hate on. those. It's, I hate those flat ones. I like the, um, the big... When you put the batteries in and the you Lucera leave one, Lucera. Oh yeah, but yeah. I can't afford that. These are no. The I only like the when they send you the Luceras, and the best part is you only use those yes. batteries briefly. So then you save the batteries, and suddenly you have free a couple batteries. more d- free double A batteries. It says not to. It says not to save the batteries. It says you should throw them out. That which seems, seems very, very wasteful. wasteful. There was, I swear to God, this now we're all off topic, but I swear I think in Telluride they had like a bunch of Luceras. And there was a critic going around asking for everyone's batteries and took them all home. <laughs> that that sounds like a journalist. Yeah. That oh, sounds... please tell me that he was putting them in a bag and like... I like your them. assumption that it was a he, but it was totally a he. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean... Totally. For, first of all, all journalists yeah, yeah. are men, right? Yeah. But but also that's something I would do too. By the way, I would yeah. ask people, but I would yeah. check and see if anyone left behind their free yeah. batteries because hey, free batteries, free batteries, <laughs> batteries are expensive. Free yeah, batteries. they're not letting you on the plane with all those batteries. Oh yeah, true. I, I suppose that's true. Well, speaking of traveling, ooh, look at this segue. Ooh, ooh. I am I am a professional. Spe- spe- speaking of traveling and COVID. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> Steven Spielberg got COVID. Oh, yes. Yeah, so and couldn't yeah. attend the Agotham Awards. So, so protect Steven Spielberg at all costs. Oh, my. Wrap him in bubble wrap. Preserve that man at it, all you know, costs. Even now, because, you know, when you hear someone gets COVID, you're kind of like, eh, whatever, guys. Like, we think everyone gets COVID. But when you hear Spielberg gets COVID, you're like, wait. Well, and I've heard like the the recent strains. I've heard of a number of people who have recently gotten COVID, and it's been bad. They've actually had a pretty bad oh, case I had of bad. it. And yeah, and you yeah, kind of forget, like, because you know, a lot of people. I luckily knock on wood. When I had COVID in March, it was pretty light. So I, I think I'm I'm sort of a, a little bit uh, you know arrogant about it now, and I should probably tone my <laughs> slow my roll because who knows? Oh, uh, Mike sounds like me back in August, right? <laughs> when I came um, back from when I came back when I came back from Can, and I was. It's like I'm invincible. I can never get COVID again because I was convinced wah. I was getting it there. Yeah. And then, oh my god. Well, I was before you got here, Clayton. I was talking about how I am my three month immunity expired from having it in August, and I went to a Thanksgiving dinner where the host had COVID, mm. and I was like, if I literally get it one week after my super immunity expired. Well, I'm going to be just as mad as if I've yeah, gotten exactly. any other time. But yeah, point stands. A little stands. COVID with your stuffing, a little COVID with your turkey. Mm, <laughs> delicious. That's that's 2022 in a nutshell. But, but, uh, but yeah, Spielberg wasn't there uh, to present to Michelle Williams, who got a tribute uh, award for her career, a.k.a. for the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was presented by Paul, Paul Dano. For, for Dawson's Creek, for, to be honest. It was for well, Dawson's Creek. What, one of the best speeches I've ever heard in my life. I did not expect her to bring up. Her wonderful grandmother, Mary Beth Peel. Uh huh. Graham. Graham. Graham's from the show. Graham. Yeah. And but I don't know if you guys saw. I think it was on the Daily Mail that said she spoke about her like she was dead and she's alive. And I was like, I knew she was alive, but I can. But when they read it back, I'm like, eh, I guess you can. I mean, I had to Google just to make sure because I was like, oh, wow, is she still alive? Because you're right. The way she's been talking about her on this press tour, it almost sounds like it's a farewell to someone who meant something to her. But uh, it was it was so nice to just hear about Dawson Creek. But like, listen, Michelle Williams has been revered and loved for so many years. She gave a great speech. Her BFF, Busy Phillips, was there next to her holding her hand throughout and uh it was it was a great evening that also got tributes from Adam Sandler who uh who looks like he killed it like he gave, he, he brought down the house he's been great like at award shows for for several years now i mean he is like the ultimate winner i he is killing it on the circuit and I think he's. I think he's great in Hustle. I know Janelle feels similar. Love I, 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 Hustle. Yes, I'm so glad it's finally getting yeah. the push. And, and Netflix is giving their all to it, and I'm glad that they are. Do I think it's going to work out for him in the end? I don't know. Like it. I, I think it, 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 could. it could. I mean, Best Actor and, is and I think weird. It's, it's it's okay to say this part. He's been better before, and they passed. I disagree. On. You think this is the best? I think thing? Hustle is his best performance. Uh, I said that repeatedly. I think he, I think Hustle is his best performance. And that, yeah. and, that, and I think if you see it that way, then then I think it's easier than to see the pathway. But I, I I'm of the mind like, listen, if he gets it for this, I think it's just time that we move towards. Let's nominate Adam Sandler. It's okay. It's okay, Academy. You can do this. Well. well I said this when I was introducing him in last week's Q&A. I basically said something to the extent like, we can all stop pretending we're surprised he can act mm-hmm. and that he can do dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. Like, let's we've moved on from that. We know that. Like, Yeah. Because in theory, this should was- be nomination number three. In like, if you really were like going through the his, you know, Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems. Well, maybe it's time. He, he, 
he I wanted to kill him in Uncut Gems, which means he was very, very good. Like he he that character annoyed me so much. I wanted to physically get on the screen and slap him around. Yeah. And then the other tribute was uh, Gina Prince Bythewood, the woman king, who also gave an amazing speech. Very personal, moving, talked about finding her birth mother and learning that uh, Gina herself was a product of a possible rape. And for some, she had really spoken about that publicly. And I, the three of them, I did a column on this, the, Adam Sandler, Michelle Williams, Gina Prince-Bythewood, I looked at them. I was like, keep doing this all season, guys. The three of you are getting in. Gina's killing the circuit this year. Yeah, though, I have she's to doing say. well. She's doing very well. I hope I, I really hope they do it. We've never had a black woman nominated for a director. It's about time. Adam Sandler never had an Adam Sandler nominated for best actor. It's about time, you know. And Michelle Williams, I think, feels really safe. I think it's, but I, it's the first time I looked at her and I was like, yeah, she could totally win best actress. <laughs> the uh, speaking of um, uh, directors, I think are sort of overdue and haven't been nominated. I have been continually shocked at the response to Elvis. Mm-hmm. At guild screenings, I mean, this movie is on HBO Max. It's been out a while. They're still packing them in, you know, and very enthusiastic audiences who line up early. Um, and it's it's you know they've uh, like at this point, I think Austin Butler might be the front runner. He's he's people are so enamored of him. Um, but boy, the response to Boz Lerman. That is so interesting because it does feel like Elvis came out three years ago. I mean, it, yes, yeah. it did. Well, it was supposed to be made five years ago. That, that is true. Yeah. Um, but Baz is um, has never been nominated for director. He has Only not been nominated for. Now that is surprising. Yeah. Moulin Rouge. That is surprising. that's right. Isn't because Moulin Rouge, so. man, he was the big miss that year, and it was it was really sad. And Moulin Rouge, winner of PGA, was like two threats to win Best Picture that year until Baz missed. And he was also at the Gotham's. He he presented and just like looks phenomenal. Like just like is he very does. just and he had the coolest um diamond encrusted EP ring. Oh for Elvis Presley. He was wearing yes. something on his jacket that I couldn't like really make out that he was just very fashionable, obviously. Yeah. Ridiculously fashionable. And um but yes, I do think Baz and Elvis, I mean, and I know that it's divided in social media Twitter sphere. But we've been here before. Bohemian Rhapsody, been here before. Like it's it's going to happen. I think people just need to accept it. And we can, what is Best Picture? I think it's getting in Best Picture. Oh yeah, I do too. I, 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 like, I think I think it needs to get in Best Picture in order for Austin to get in Best Actor. But I think both those things are happening. <laughs> I think Austin could win Best Actor with this movie, not getting anything else. But I I think it will. Another film that's very popular still over the holidays is Top Gun. Like people revisited that, and that is still those screenings that they're putting on are selling out. It's like people, it's like I think we discussed it, Clayton, when we talked about Scad, Savannah, how some people were only watching that for the first time. Over 50% of my audience at the Top Gun screening was seeing it for the first time. People also have to, I mean, listen, it made a billion dollars, so like good for it, but a billion dollars doesn't equate to the entire earth. So uh, there are going to be a lot of people who do are experiencing it for the first time and, and that magic can carry. Top Gun is going to do really, really well and- and it's finally going to hit uh, streaming at the end of, end of the year. So not that, before it gets re-released and makes a few more bucks. <laughs> yeah, they, Jesus, they like money, unlike Netflix, which apparently doesn't really care about uh, money when it comes to what what they're leaving on the table by pulling glass onion. I, out of I, I was telling some 
some Netflix people. I was like, spike the ball, man. You guys like spike the ball at, at other times. Like this is a time that you have full range. Like we opened this in theaters and it made, it made some money. Like leave it there a little longer. Like do like, go with it. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it, it listen. Why, I, why do you think, I mean, what, what's your theory on, on, I mean, and this, I wish Brian Steinberg was on this podcast. He could really like answer this in time. Well, we're sorry. We're not. I know. Well, <laughs> Brian Steinberg. You, you got Todd, the B team yeah. here. What can we well, say? Well, I was going to say, like, ultimately, it's all about subscriber numbers, right? Like, it's the ultimate goal. So I think having a spike the ball on a movie theater as a streaming person, person, the streaming entity doesn't really bode well. But it is an interesting three week gap of pulling it mm-hmm. from theaters, but then we still have to wait to actually watch it on Netflix until, you know, Christmas. Yeah. Which is going to be great. In a way, it almost calls more attention to the fact that, like, Netflix subscribers don't have it yet. You know? I guess, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's it's the anticipation. Clearly, it's going to do well when it does premiere on, on Netflix. I also uh, love how they're still begging people, like, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. And it's like, guys, you're risking it. It, op- it, it premiered at TIFF in September. Like, we are playing with fire right yeah, now. Yeah. No. But um, looking at the winner's list uh, for Gotham's, uh, it's almost like they listened to the Ward Circuit podcast. Mm. Uh, listen, biggest surprise of the night. Pleasant surprise, Danielle Deadweiler. Yeah. I mean, yep. Who wasn't there? I was furious. Furious. Why? Sh- Why sh- was shooting? Ah. Uh, Couldn't get out of production. Well, work is Which, work. by the way, like, I bet that'll never happen again <laughs> now. <laughs> because, this is not only that she won. She beat, because they're non-gendered categories at Gotham's. She beat Brendan Fraser, Kate Blanchett, and Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, yeah. Thandie Newton. I mean, it's, it's, uh, like she did it. And listen, again, it's a group of five. So it's a jury thing and I get it, but still it, it, it really says something. Yeah. No, that was great. And then, uh, Kwan. The train, the train started and it is on its way. Oh, the train started back in, but this is the official official train. This is that now it is, it would, it would take an act of God. We would have to find out that he was Summer of Sam to lose supporting <laughs> actor. And even then, I think people would be like, but it was before everything. Right, exactly. Remember when he was the Zodiac killer? Yeah. But, you know, think, he's I still think, from Goonies. Yeah. yeah, I think he's still Goonies. <laughs> so we're going to give it to him anyway. It all comes together. Um, oh, but, but heartfelt. I don't know if, if you guys peep uh, when Everything Everywhere won Best Feature. Kiyu Kwan goes and gives someone a five on stage, and it's me because I'm, I'm oh. right there. In front. Oh wow! He saw me, and then ran and gave me a five. So oh, like, look at that! I was like, look. And then, yeah, his wife is adorable. There, he's the he's the sweetest man. And this is Troy Kotzer part two, hmm. and the feel good story of the year. You yeah. can't you can't be mad at this. No, no. And no one's gonna be mad that like. You know, we did like we didn't give it to Brendan Gleeson or Judd Hirsch. Like nope. we're gonna be like, uh, nope, Q Kwan has an Oscar. It's a good world to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fun. And, and that's no shade to Gleeson and Hirsch. By the way, they're great. But just saying, <laughs> <it's>, Kwan is. <laughs> It's 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 the best story. Oh, and and hopefully, if they're smart, they'll have like Harrison Ford uh, uh, give out that award. <sighs> I mean, technically, it's supposed to be Ariana DeBose, which is still a great moment. Well, maybe they could mm-hmm. be paired, but it's a, but yes, if they paired it pr- properly, then yes, that would be quite that would be fun. Heartfelt. 
right? But also too orchestrated. Do you remember the? <laughs> do you remember the year that Scorsese won, and he was giving it? To, oh yeah. And Spielberg, Coppola, and George Lucas gave it to him. Yep. And I was like, guys, you risky here. Yeah. Like, well, that, that could mean, be awkward. He had lost so many look times. Look at the year they put Best Actor last, assuming Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's when you. That's when you jinx it. You're right. You don't want to <laughs> jinx it. My, my favorite moment, by the way, was the year that Alfonso Cuarón won for Gravity. It was presented by Angelina Jolie and Sidney Poitier. Because you could tell the Academy was like, we're not sure if Alfonso is going to win or Steve McQueen. So we're just going to hedge our bets. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go with both here and just see what happens. Yeah, yeah, hedge your bets. But yeah, uh, read the other winners. Uh, the TV side, Mo. TV was interesting. Yeah, Mo. for Mo to kind of pull out and 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 beat uh, you know Abbott Elementary, um, you know, which uh, you know anyone would have assumed like that's the front runner. Just Are you a Mo lover? The, so. I haven't had a chance to really watch much Mo, to tell you the truth. So I'm not. I haven't either. Great. I, I haven't I'm, either. That's why I was. I'm curious. I love, uh, but some of the other nominees, as we see it, uh, which is sadly not coming back for a second season. So many canceled shows were nominated. Yeah, but at least it's. <laughs> I, I feel like it's at least gotten its attention, even though it deserved to continue. It's such a special show. Uh, oh, and somebody somewhere I adore, and I'm so glad that is coming back for a second season. Oh, did they announce that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So so that's that's a nice. Like quiet little show that, uh, you know, if you watch it, you really appreciate it. So I'm glad that's gotten attention as well. Um, and then on the drama side, well, I guess technically it's breakthrough television over 40 minutes. Uh, why 40? Why <laughs> it's 40? It's a, a weird number. Such a and I, weird number. I was like, and what happens if you're actually 40 minutes? Do you go under or over? Ooh, I guess you have your pick of which one. Guys, we're um, going to do a 40, 40 minute. Award circuit. Yeah. Because if you show. do commercial television, most dramas are 42 minutes. So they're just making it there. And I guess that's why they do that number. But uh, Pachinko, the little show that yeah. could, which I really liked, but I'm surprised that it managed to beat out these gorillas of like Severance, which is huge, and Yellow Jackets, of course, which is huge. Uh, and then my adored Station Eleven, um, which. Thought of you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, look at, look at Mike show. I, I would have been happy. But, you know, I'm happy for Pachinko. That's a great show. As well. I think it's first win of the season of like anything, right? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's. I'm glad to see it finally get something because they were pushing it hard and and uh, you know didn't get that recognition. So early happens on. when Squid Game isn't eligible finally. So right. then we can we can finally go with uh, Pachinko. It is interesting now or Succession. Be, yeah, <laughs> to be heading into this this winter season and a lot of those like huge shows that were just dominating are not eligible, and so others can finally break in. Um, just, uh, and screenplay, by the way, I just want to talk about that because Tar won screenplay, mm-hmm. top field, um, which is something that could repeat. And original screenplay is just going to be kind of a bloodbath this year. But women talking, where do you guys see women talking at the moment? Because I mean, you know my feelings on women talking. I mean, we love them. So our outside of our per- like, where do you think it it do you think it's palpable on the circuit right now? Do you think it needs to play? I some do. Catch-up? I do. I still. I think for orig- adapted screenplay, it's. They've got to be the front runner right now. Um, I still think that uh, Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy and uh, possibly Rooney Mara, who's in the lead category, so it's a lot more competitive um, this year. I still think they're all contenders. I think Ben Wishaw is still there. Um, I'm just waiting for it to come out and sort of see how it does. I don't like its release date, by the way. I hate the release date now. No. But Bad do you date. think Sarah Poli's going to get in for director, which would then put like, how many women directors are we going to get in that oh, five, right? We have checkboxes, right? We're going to be like one woman, two women. No, I mean, listen, I, I think 
I think if they had really put the pedal to the floor after Telluride, I think there could be argument right be made right now that Spielberg would have a real challenger in Sarah Polly. And in theory, maybe he still does down the line. But it the buzz seems so quiet. And I don't and I I, I pretty much know this that it, it's hasn't been widely seen by industry voters. It's very underseen. And it, it was gonna be a hard thing to get people to watch anyway, just because Oh my God, a movie about women talking, you know, men are going to go crazy and not want to watch it, you know? So I think, I think it's a movie that will be discovered and then maybe get a good second wind, but I think it needs to do, I think it's, there are a lot of things that are jumping in front of it. Everything everywhere got a huge boost this, this past week, you know, and Top Gun is feeling stronger. Like those two, like shouldn't feel in front of women talking and yet they feel like they are. I think that was what was so interesting about this past weekend. Like this was the opportunity for people to watch movies that were like on the Academy platform. And from what I heard, they did repeat watchings of like Elvis or Top Gun or everything. And it was like, but you have like all these other films that you need to go through and they didn't. And to your point, there's a reluctance for women talking the screener just came in, by the way, for industry people. So, like, J- like Jessica just saw it, and it's her favorite movie of the year, which I was shocked by because she's always like, a good documentary head that will, like, shame me in something else. But she, like, loved it. So I think once people watch it, 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 it soars. Um, but back to repeat watching, that is even a problem I'm having this year. I've seen the last 35 minutes of Top Gun maybe 30 times <laughs> this year. <laughs> When I can't choose a screener, I just watch the last 35 minutes of Top Gun. There's a scene in Spirited I've watched at least 30 times. I haven't seen Spirited yet. Oh. Spirited is fun. I need, to, it's a I fun. need to put that on my holiday yes. list. It's fantastic and should be the lead contender for best song. And not the one you think. Not Good, not good Afternoon, which everyone loves. I love Unredeemable. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, it's on the, the holiday playlist. So let's get playlist. Will Ferrell on the Oscars singing that song. <laughs> It's a but TV my- movie, though. <laughs> what did you watch? It's the, for the Emmys. So, oh, is this the corner now? It's the, this da, is, da, da, this, what, what did Mike watch? watch? I need a theme song. Um, but uh, I finally saw Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ah. Yeah. So and? I know, wasting no time. <laughs> I like to wait until the $6 Tuesday movie no, that's good. at my local cinema because I'm cheap. Well, wow. We've established that we're journalists and we're yeah. cheap. Can't so it. Um, I spend all the movie, uh, all, all my money on food instead. Um, so it ends up still being like a $150 visit to the cinema just because we're having dinner there at the same time. But um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I mean, what can be what, what, what can you say about Wakanda Forever? It's exactly what I was hoping it would be and exactly what I expected. Um, you know, it had those emotional elements. Although, like I was telling Janelle, I think because I was expecting even more to I was expecting to just like be weeping. bawling. Yeah. And I didn't. What's I, wrong with you people? I, don't think I, I quite cried like 11 bawled, times. But I did mist up. I did tear up. But there was there was a lot more action and lot, they, they did focus more on the new story than I was expecting, which I, I guess I'm glad I did. They didn't like dwell overly uh, like I thought they were going to on Chadwick but they did they were respectful we saw plenty of him we saw plenty of tribute but they also still had a story and they still had like a, a new story to pursue so in some ways 
it exceeded my expectations. I thought it was just going to be kind of a tribute movie, not realizing, oh, no, this is the... We're still in the MCU. We're still, yeah, we're, like... we're still moving forward. Um, I yeah. think... I think. Uh, oh, and of course, the... the I mean, show some respect. Not, not to oh, yeah. no, not to spoil it, but I I was not expecting yeah the the the, the death yeah. in the middle of the movie you yeah. know because like well we kind of already have a major character who has died we're yeah. really going there yeah. I have a, I have a hot take I think it's the meanest thing the MCU has ever done I I agree can I I, I agree with that take okay. I think it's the meanest thing they yeah gave I don't... Us, um sorry but you all know they killed Loki right uh and he comes back thirty times <laughs> right. <That's all>. exactly <laughs> yeah. so. but but and and. Yeah, this yeah, it was it was a lot. But that was the that was tough. I was like, I think my jaw hit the floor, and I was talking about it. Nolan on the way home was like, I, I'm gonna, still can't I'm, believe they killed. I'm I'm gonna give uh, just one quick hot take on Black Panther and and the award space. Okay. I believe could be wrong. I think hot take. I by the way, I, we need a hot, 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 hot take. Clayton's hot take. Yeah, I, I think it's very well liked, but. I do think a lot of people are reluctant to really criticize it. So I think people are quiet about those criticisms. And I think it's I think it's gonna get a few tech nods for sure. I don't know if it's best picture. And I just think it's because there are there are elements that are great. Like I loved maybe 80% of it. And that last 20% was a big letdown for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. And a lot of people don't speak about it. Like because you want to be because you feel like you want to be respectful also because like of what they had to go through but it it i think it's not a movie that's like has passion like the first one did and it's going to struggle on the circuit yeah i i see that i think there's just a, a lot of unfortunate baggage that yeah. that comes with the film and it's it's hard to kind of yeah. sort of move past that mm. so but but i feel good about angela i think angela's going to get in yeah and and that's a good whether she wins or not that's still up for debate but like she can totally get in yeah no absolutely yeah absolutely so there'll, there'll be some acting but you're right that 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 one feels a little more on the on the fence yeah. uh, when it comes to the, the the ten the last bit here is we are sitting the day time of recording that Emancipation is premiering in L A ooh drum roll the movie with Will Smith. I hear it slaps. It slaps. Uh, you do that joke every yeah. week. Listen, we're gonna get this reaction from <laughs> yeah. every silence. Every every time. Every, every time. Disappointed <laughs> silence. Every Jan time. Jan Janelle especially has her like arms folded, sort of just like that disapproving, like Mike, yeah. not again. Janelle, have you seen it? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes, oh, okay. So, oh, I mean, I mean, okay. Yes. Uh, it, it's great. And I that I don't like that great. I, I think I, I think I, I think it's so maybe maybe I think it's really really good, borderline great. And I oh I think it's great. I, yeah, I mean because because you start you have some time with it and then you start thinking. I think Will Smith is better in this than he was in King Richard, and mm. I think he was great in King Richard. He was great in King Richard. So okay, that that I love King Richard. Yeah, but he's he's a great actor. Clayton yeah. just made the quote the movie poster. I know, right? <laughs> but, but it is. He's a great actor. Ben Foster's great. Oh my God, Ben Foster and Paul is, did an amazing job. Ben Foster's phenomenal, and so is Charmaine. He's a great actor. Also, never nominated, which seems weird to me. Yep. How do you think uh, Will is doing so far in terms of the Maya Culpa tour? You know what's interesting? I talked about this earlier today with someone. Dare I say that it feels super normal? 
Yeah. Like he is working. He is doing just as much now as he did in King Richard. And he barely did anything for King Richard. I think he's doing the same amount right now. And I don't, it feels like normal time. Like he's going to be there tonight. He's going to walk the carpet. He was on Trevor Noah. He did interviews with press, you know, like I, I, I think it's, I stand by this. I think it's a lot more divided out there than people want to give credit to people think everyone thinks that they're going to write him off. There's 1,300 people in the actor's branch that all know him, that have worked with him, that love him. And I think there are a lot of people who are told me off the record that their team will in this situation. They won't say it publicly. So I think when it comes pen to pad, I think he's going to get votes. What He gets in. He definitely won't win, but he could totally still get in mm-hmm. for this. I think the other thing is that people that go in – reluctantly and uh, hands up I was one of those people that went in reluctantly and I think I called you right after I was like I did not expect to be blown away by the film that performance Ben will the storyline and just how like captivating he is and to your point Janelle he is like a great actor and I think you know I think they need people Apple these people to be in a screen or in a like in a movie theater watching this as opposed to at home because once it's that's the obstacle for sure that's their big obstacle once you're in a in a movie theater watching this you're in at home opens in theaters on friday and then it's on the platform next friday it's a one-week run oh one week run one week take note uh janelle where do you fall on the charmaine part of it do you think she's viable think she's excellent and I think anything is possible. I'm kind of waiting to see how the movie takes off. Sort of like I was saying with women talking, like, you know, I know what people in the industry think. I'm kind of curious how to play with wider audiences. Um, if people are even, you say wider you know, or whiter? Wider okay. I just audiences. <laughs> no, both, both viable questions, by the way. Like, how does this play with white audiences is like really a question. I mean, listen, box office isn't going to matter. Not that it matters anymore anyway. I think we're like box office is so sad right now. Last weekend was the saddest box office in history, I think. Yeah. No, it's it's troubling. It's troubling. Ooh. <laughs> that just brought it down. I know. I was, I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking. I was like, god, like I like we can't like we have to save cinema. And emancipation, let's say emancipation save cinema, but like like we don't see emancipations if the movie theaters die. Well, I mean, hopefully you 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 do have the streamers who really are sort of continuing to, you know, push the the kind of thoughtful independent style film that, you know, if if the theatrical business really does become just about blockbusters, then you know the streamers have managed to pick up the the ball in terms of that, storytelling. That goes to Jazz's point then is like then the theater cuz emancipation really lives in a theater i mean i mean we don't i mean maybe it will play well at home i can't wait to watch it at home because i really want to know how it feels i mean a great movie will be great i remember watching casablanca on a airplane on the little three inch screen and boy does it hold up uh yeah i I think it's like gravity like i've never watched gravity i think again i actually watched 300 on an airplane on a a street one time yeah yeah not to compare 300 to casablanca but like, I was surprised how well it held, it held up because that was my first time seeing it. I hate to tell you all this, 
but all of our kids are watching everything on their phones, and that is the well, future. Not my kid. I raised her to look at a movie screen, uh, TV screen at minimum. I will say the one thing that makes the other thing that makes Emancipation so great in a movie theater is Robert Richardson's cinematography. It is oh, something to be seen. But see how that the reactions tonight. Well, in the meantime, I, I hate to uh, sort of uh, shut yep. us up. Go ahead. No, you could do it. <laughs> Scare everyone. Well, I just want to say we're already next week. Next week, we're going to be bringing our predictions for the Golden Globes. Nominations wow. are coming on the 12th. So look alive, everyone. We're, wow. we're heading knee deep into this. Wow, wow, wow. This season in January. I mean, listen, Friday's New York Film Critics Circle. We're here. We're here. Uh, my predictions will be up by the time you guys are listening to this. Uh, I'm predicting Tar will be big there. But I did like an informal polling of some of the members. Think Tar, Fablemans, Armageddon Time, and maybe Glass Onion are like the favorites there. But I, but I'm looking for a wild card choice for them. I think they're going to give Best Actor to Tom Cruise. Ooh. They love him. Even though he sent his Golden Globes back. No, I'll talk about no, New York Film Critics. New York Film Critics. We'll, we'll get to Globes I'm next. So yeah. sorry. <laughs> Golden Globes is another. Golden Globe winner, Will Smith. I'm putting money on it right now. That that that's happening. I just feel like it's inevitable. Talk about ratings, and that's what that's exactly what they want. That's I mean, yep, they're not going to hesitate there. Yeah, well, be fun. We shall see. In the meantime, thanks, y'all. We'll see you next week. I love seeing the boxes of you, ladies. I hope to see you in 3D next time. We'll be back together next week. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Test was negative, by the way. After the break, Pinocchio director Guillermo del Toro. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. The animation medium, often dismissed as a genre for kids, continues its ongoing fight for respect in Hollywood. After 1,000 days of shooting, Pinocchio directors Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafsson take on the famous children's novel from 1883, and it's yet another elevation in the way animation can be used to tell rich stories, even familiar ones. I want to tell you a story. It's a story you may think you know, but <laughs> you don't. Over there! What is that? Papa! <gasps> it's Spigs! He's just a puppet! No, I'm not! I'm a real boy! People are sometimes afraid of things they don't know. I don't understand! Gregory Mann, Ewan McGregor, David Bradley, Tilda Swinton, and Finn Wolfhard are part of the rich ensemble on this new take about the fabled wooden boy who goes on an enchanted adventure. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has garnered critical acclaim and is one of the leading contenders for animated feature. In addition, Netflix is also making a substantial push to have the film recognized for Best Picture, a category that has only seen three animated nominees in history, Beauty and the Beast, Up, and Toy Story 3. Del Toro, who produces, directs, and co-writes, also offers his talents as a songwriter with the beautiful number Ciao Papa penned with his co-writing composer, Alexandre Desplat and Ruben Katz.
Working in the business for over 30 years, Del Toro has written 34 screenplays, but has only made 12 of them. One of those is the unfinished and long-rumored Mountains of Madness, which he thinks can be made, but would need to be rewritten because he thinks it can be made with stop-motion animation. I recently caught up with Del Toro to talk about Pinocchio and what's next for the famed auteur. We began by talking about stop-motion's place in animation. Well, it started, I mean, it started right away. I mean, it really, you go back to the beginnings of cinema and it's there. It solidifies uh, in the early 30s with uh, King Kong and the the sort of... Uh, uh, Willis O'Brien and Marcel Delgado, who's a Mexican, yeah. uh, uh, sort of pushing the art form into heights that had not been seen. But stop motion is the of all the animated uh, techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be the one that is the most intimate and the one that is the most uh, really, really taxing and, and is not efficient. You cannot streamline it. You cannot have shortcuts. Is an animator and a puppet that has to exist. Animation comes from the word anima, soul. It's infusing a thing with a soul and and not making it move, making it live. And this is what we demanded of the animators. We said, we want you to make the characters feel and think, and we got to understand that. So it's, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, If you do a CG movie and you want to change two seconds in the middle of one acting bit, you just go there and change uh, 48 frames. Yeah. If you do, if you want to change a performance in stop motion, you start over. You have to start over the whole the whole shot, and uh, that is a big difference because it's, it's linear and it's intimate. And the animators have imagine this: when you sit down, like right now, you're moving on your chair, you're looking at me, you're nodding a little. Those are at least six vectors of action that the animator needs to. And if we're talking, then you add lip syncing. The animator is animating your body, your eyes, your head, and, and the chair, and now your lips need to coincide with the dialogue that we pre-recorded. It's incredibly taxing. If, if in this in that example, how long would it take you to do that, you know, six seconds of me just looking and it depends. Talking? It depends. For example, in in the movie, there is a, a shot where the monkey Spazzatura mm-hmm. uh, crosses the carnival, mm-hmm. right? In in enters through a wire and then he runs through. That shot took sixteen weeks. Sixteen weeks, because the vectors of action are multiple. He crosses a guy lifting weights, a guy a guy pushing a wheel oh. of fortune, a guy pushing a barrel. He jumps over, blah blah blah. And finally gets to, to the steps of the caravan. So in that, in that instance, 16 weeks, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Pinocchio interacting with the Sphinx in the limbo. Yeah. Took over two years, you know? Wow. And those few minutes of film took over two years. Are you working on like one scene at a time? Or are you working on multiple things? No, no. You you start with one set or two. The next couple of weeks you go to four sets. The yeah. next couple of weeks you go to eight, and we ended up in under the same warehouse with over sixty working sets all at the same time. You're shooting with you're shooting with sixty shooting with sixty units. You just walk in, like it's checking. Well, the, out here uh, let's there. say that twenty-two are setting up, yeah. ten are dismantling, and forty are gearing up or shooting. The labor that goes into that is, again, because people don't understand it, they don't see it. They just see, 
you know, what's on their screen. They're like, oh, you, you drew something or you made things move and you took a picture. They, 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 it's so undervalued. It's impossible to understand. It, 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 and, but it also to these artists that do it, so many of them will never know their names, will never... That, that's why we did it very differently on, yeah. on Pinocchio. On Pinocchio, we, I, I spoke to the animators and I said, you're actors. Mm -hmm. So every day, Mark Gustafsson, my co-director, and I, we would instruct the actors. And we would say, this is what we need from the shot. You, of course, have storyboards and voice recordings. And then you say, like, look, uh, scratch your ear, the ear of the puppet on this line, or uh, lean on the door and uh, do this and that. And what we would say... If you have any other idea, if the puppet tells you it wants to do something else, mm -hmm. do it. Because like any other actor, between action and cut, you control the, the shot. Okay. And I said, please feel like that. We guaranteed that they would be credited right next to the cast, which is incredibly unusual. And we did that. You see the movie and the voice cast comes up and then immediately the animators, because they are actors. And finally, what we did is to guarantee them that we would not respond to any, we would not have previews, audience previews to get notes, and we would get no notes from the studio creatively, that we would protect what we were doing, and we were able to enforce it. That, that Well, first of all, Best Cats Ensemble at SAG, I'm down for it. Yes, you, yes. Right, we could just all bring yes. that together. Um, but you brought up a good point, and the, the notes, not getting notes, There are mm -hmm. so many uh, masters in cinema yeah. that are that you know. You're in my top ten. Martin Scorsese's in my top mm -hmm. ten. Like mm -hmm. I, I like the, I revere you guys. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel, and maybe it's a, my own personal opinion, like not everyone can do what you did on Pinocchio with no notes and it no. turn out great. You know, mm -hmm. I think there. We seem to be in a time where there's, I'm calling it like, quote unquote, a tour entitlement. Like people think that they, yeah, they that can run free. They, they can just run free. Yeah, but that's a, that's a different symptom. I mean, yeah. I think that when you have a, a family that is so closely knit creatively, like Mark Gustafson, mm -hmm. like Shadow Machine, like uh, Patrick uh, in the core writing, uh, everybody knows that there is no immunity. Mm -hmm. to each other we we really keep checks and balances creatively with each other alexander yeah. desplat you know the key uh, uh, frank passingham and, and cinematography we 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 don't run a monarchy yeah we run a really beautiful collaborative effort the, the animators are given voice we tell them tell us yeah you want to try something you know and so if what is impossible is uh, uh, the the monarchy It's not a desirable state for a storyteller. It's important to have the last word. Mm -hmm. It's not important to have the only word. Uh. There's a big difference. And, and because I've been doing this for 30 years, I understand that this is not something that you do alone. You may see the beginning and the end alone because we, you know, I understand my job as co-writer, co-producer, co-director. I open the bar, I clean the cups, I serve the clients, and I clean the bar and turn off the light at the end. I do that. I start and I finish more than anybody else in the middle. So I want to be able to guide it, but but the 
the collaboration is real. Yeah. It's not it's not something you say and don't do. Yeah. And when you don't do it, I do think the movies get a little lost. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I, I just uh, an, a question for you on co-directors. I'm actually in the middle of writing a piece on this, and it might mm -hmm. be out by the time your interview goes up. Mm -hmm. The title of co-director. Yeah. Um, and this is, I feel like it's a silly title mm -hmm. for a lot of anim animation yeah. seems to be the one that has it the most there's a director and then a co-director no you and, I, I and think I, I, it, it needs to be two directors yeah I, I what is I guess there's no difference right is am I no, assuming no that? there is there, I, I think that there's uh, you can differentiate the duties like uh, I'm a writer director producer mm -hmm. that's my function crosses uh, those three lines uh, Mark is not going to have to meet uh, on the financing of the movie. Mark is not going to have to meet on the screenplay of the movie. Yeah. But the the rest of the functions, some of which uh, fall, like the day-to-day -day on the set will fall more onto Mark, uh, but we will both have a day-to-day -day interaction with the yeah. animators. We will both launch the shot. We will both approve or disapprove the, so the shots. But if a light is not working on the set that day, he deals with that. Or if a guidance, an animator gets lost in a sequence and needs a little guidance that day, mm -hmm. he's going to be there. But uh, then in the mixing or color correction, I may take over a little stronger. So, you know, it, it flows and ebbs. But I've done directing together in animation a few times with Rodrigo Blas mm -hmm. on the Troll Hunters and the Tales of Arcadia yeah. series. And I think it's necessary in animation. I think it's good because uh, uh, you can keep an eye for all four coordinates uh, in an easier way. The, the process is too long. Imagine it's, it's a thousand days of shoot. So it helps to have uh, an extra set of instincts and an extra set of pair of eyes. Yeah. Thank you. Well put. Um, I want to talk about your venture now into winning a Grammy as a songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I guess there's an album coming out soon. <laughs> well, there's something. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that, but it's fun to write. Yeah. Talk huh? about Ch Chow Papa with with uh, Despla, that yeah, talented we, guy. Well, we, we I started... Uh, we we actually approached songwriters, mm -hmm. and it was very difficult to schedule even a meeting. And I said to Alexander, "Why don't I start with the lullaby, which is uh, my son?" And and we hit it completely. Mm -hmm. I wrote the, those lyrics alone, and Alexander and I uh, just did the song together. And we said we were really happy, and we sketched the rest of the songs. And uh, Patrick helped with the, one of the songs, and we thought we got it, but then we saw the lyrics that we were producing, and we needed help wow. to, to, to really work in, in, in the lyrical sense. And Alexander suggested, suggested Cats, and he came in, and, you know, I really, I really am in awe of Alexander. And Cats and him, unbeknownst to most people, mm -hmm. had written a hit song in the past called My Boat, Mombato, which was a oh. huge hit in France, oh, really? like a summer song, oh. and and and, and uh, so they had that partnership. If it hits number one on iTunes after this podcast, then <laughs> no, you, you, no, have no. To, you have to cite that. <laughs> no, but you, you, you can actually see it on YouTube. Really, oh, Mombato. Awesome. Um, I, I want to ask you uh, from Kronos to now. Mm -hmm. The do you remember the first day 
walking on set yes. as a director. Yes. Describe to me what that felt like. Well, I think that you come in with a with a set of tools that is, you have five tools on your first movie, six, seven. I mean, if you are really David Fincher, you bring a, a considerable toolbox. But if you're not, I mean, I I never I have never done commercials as director. Mm-hmm. I have never. Uh, done only anything but shorts. So you, you come in and you're dealing with a crew. I mean, normally when you are a short film, filmmaker, you're dealing with a crew of 20. You come into, uh, the first day of shooting a professional movie, you're dealing with a crew of 100, 120, you know? So, uh, the most delicate thing is, uh, I think the more, the younger you are, the more you're rigid. Mm-hmm. Which is funny to say. And the more experience you get, you, you understand that the, the desirable uh, condition is flexibility. Yeah. You actually, there is a thing in the Tao that says that which is rigid is the brother of death. It will break and be brittle. That which is flex- flexible will never break. And it actually, what the big difference is the number of tools, the number of experiences you've had. I mean, at, after 30 years, I don't think I can deal with something new. And I, I know compos- uh, compositing, color correcting, traveling mats. I know everything that is necessary for what I do, animation. I, you know, I have all the tools that I need. And that's a big difference. You come in in a way more flexible, more ready to listen. When you come in as a young director, you're, you want to talk. Yeah. When you come in as an older director, you want to listen, you know. I have to ask because you set the internet ablaze. Mm-hmm. Uh, mountains of madness. Yeah. Well, I wish we could make it. I. I, I no. Is it? Is it no? It's like, like well, never. I think there is. Again, I, uh, I. I've said this in the past. I've written or co-written thirty-four screenplays. I made twelve movies. There are twenty-two screenplays that I never got to make. Uh, I think uh, it would be great to make it, and I. I have come to the conclusion that you could make it in stop motion. So maybe. You know, I think... Uh, so you have to wait a thousand you days? Have, you, 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 you have to rewrite it. Okay. You have to rewrite it because uh, the when you write for animation, you cannot just do a live action script. Yeah. The, 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 the rules are different. For example, the way you watch a puppet act is, more, is very enrapturing and very deep. It's different than watching an actor. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. Even any form of animation, you, like we used to say, and we were at DreamWorks. I was at DreamWorks for almost a decade, and um, we, we we used to say the way the light falls on a on a digital creature is so fascinating. And if you light an actor the same way, it's an actor that you lit. And th- there's an enrapturing quality to animation. Last time we spoke, it was during Nightmare Alley. Redford got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Nightmare Alley yeah, fan. No, I love thank it. You. Love it so much. Um, you always say there's monsters like creeping around that yeah. you that you, that you want to make. What are you making next? Well, I, I, I'm working on a monster movie. I cannot say the title because it may change. I mean, I can end up making something else. But I'm, I'm right now I'm writing. I'm writing and designing. And we've been for the last uh, couple of years, and 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 hopefully that's the next. But anything can happen, you know. Uh, we don't know yet if there's a second season of Cabinet. You know, the 
there's a, a creature loose in the world called the algorithm mm -hmm. that <laughs> makes a lot of decisions. So we haven't yeah, gotten that. that. Thing, man. Yeah, yeah. It runs yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine that creature clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you should do an adaptation of it and see, and see how that looks. Um, Curse of the algorithm. That's filmmaker Guillermo del Toro. His take on Pinocchio is in select theaters and hits Netflix on December 9th. Demonstrating how to make the most of limited screen time, Charmaine Bingwa is unflinching as the emotional pillar of Apple Original Films' Emancipation. She plays Dodine, the wife of Peter, played by Will Smith, and mother to his children, to whom he's desperately trying to return. There are elements that feel similar to Jessica Chastain's work in Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life, which isn't overtly loud, but still incredibly moving. In a wide-open supporting actress race, we can only hope the Academy won't overlook such a breakout talent because of misgivings about the film's star and producer. I recently spoke with her about the difficulty of portraying such a prolific character and being able to represent the LGBTQ community in such a positive light. We began by discussing what brought her to this industry. It has been a wild and wacky journey. I was in Australia, not following my dream. I think I was doing like corporate work and, uh, you know, one day I was, I was working at this underwear company, strangely, and they came in one day and were like, Hey, we're gonna, this business has been bought. So if you have a job, you have seven days to decide whether you're going to move interstate or not. And it was like a real defining moment for me. Cause I was like, hang on a minute, I don't like doing this enough to like move and leave all my friends and family. And it actually made me realize like, well, what do you want to do? And at the time I wanted to be a, a singer. And so I went and enrolled in, um, I quit, quit my job, quit all my security and just went and um, uh, enrolled in, uh, you know, I went to get my music degree. And while I was there, I took an elective in acting and just something clicked. And I was like, okay, I think this is it. So uh, yeah. And then, you know, did the, finish the course and, got an agent and decided to move to the United States. Are you uh, very critical of un other underwear brands when you walk <laughs> by them? Like, is this now giving you a keen sense of like good and bad underwear? It's my little nuance. I'm like, yeah. what is going on with that stitching? Yeah. <laughs> I still have that talent, Clay. Yes. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I say that all the time because the job I had before here when I was in corporate world, I was uh, I worked for a college organization. So I have this – it was an honor society that worked at colleges. Yeah. So I had this weird – unneeded <laughs> knowledge of every college in the entire country. Like I could tell you, I, could, I would know all of them where they're from. I could tell you they're big, small, like it's very useless. I worked in banking for a while as well. So I have a lot of useless financial um, uh, No, that's very needed. Well, actually no, it's very then, helpful. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> it's coming handy. We like, will have like. a separate talk <laughs> after this. For our next um, podcast. Um, yeah. So, so, okay. So then you, you know, come to say, what, what was the, your, your, first audition process like what did you what were you trying to do how did you end up yeah I think I was lucky enough to have my uh my first manager I I sorted her out before I left Australia so came over here and just didn't really know what to expect and I I remember there was a role it was um with Carmen Cuba who's an amazing casting director I um 
you know, admire and respect. And I remember getting very close, like just straight off the bat of landing, very close to like a big role in a big film. And it was just enough encouragement to be like, keep going. And then I think it was um, within nine months of being here, I was lucky enough to be awarded the Heath Ledger Scholarship, which <laughs> changed my life completely. Um, yeah. So I was like, I okay, I think I'm meant to be here. Can you tell, can you tell people about that scholarship? Because I, I read that and I was like, so like, because you, you've heard, obviously we've heard about it for years. Yes. But then we don't get to see the the fruits of that you know and now we do here is one fruit yeah um so it's uh a, a, an award that they give to a promising uh, actor under the age of 35 who is seen to have like um immense global potential and it's phenomenal like they're a, a, an amazing organization called australians in film they give you like everything you need for a career so mm -hmm. it's like training with like 10 of the best teachers and showreels and editing and and i think the main thing is just um, people in the industry over here know. So all of a sudden you're on their radar and, and doors open. So um, I, saw I mean, Heath Ledger yeah. is just iconic and to be associated with his legacy is insane. And I, I just felt really blessed to be like the first person of color to win in 10 years. So. That, that That's incredible. And I met you before today. Uh, we, we met at the Gotham Awards. Yes. Where Michelle Williams got a tribute on. Were you able to see her or talk to her? Have you ever I met her? I wasn't able to grab her like in uh, the background or anything. I wish I wish I could and did, uh, but uh, it was a buzzing room. And, I know. You know um, oh, it's beautiful to hear about, her speak. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I just like to see that would have, would have been amazing. Yeah. But like, it's good to see his uh, his memory living on and yeah. to, and now we have you. Helping so. many, many artists like, get their break. It's so mm. wonderful. So I'm a firm believer that the bones of an actor is built on the stage. Mm. Uh, that's, I mean, you can, you don't need stage acting to be a great actor, mm. but the, the ones that we remember forever, they have their bones on the stage. And oh. you were in a few uh, plays, uh, one, Doubt, which I love, Oof, it was one of my yeah. favorite plays and mm. big movie here. Yeah. Um, what have been some of your most cherished and memorable moments on the stage? And um, I'm such a like uh, believer in like signs and synchronicity, and that was another thing. After I landed here in the U.S., I I um, ended up doing like workshops with John Patrick Shanley after having done the play Doubt. So mm. and. I know he saw like a little video glimpse of my performance and getting his approval was like, oh my God, he's one of our great playwrights. So um, yeah, I feel like, um, I think it was 2017 was like a really like seminal year for me in my career. Um, I think I did five plays in one year in Australia that year and uh, Doubt was the first one. And there is something about treading the boards and just that level of intensity, working on your chops like that. Yeah. It, and after like five plays in a year, like my acting just changed so dramatically and you know this is kind of cheesy but i there's something about being in black box theaters like mm -hmm. the way the light hits the stage and you can see all the particles in the air like yeah. it just lit something up in me you so, see all uh, the asbestos falling yeah. from, the, from the ceiling yeah exactly. I'm like we'll deal with that in 50 years <laughs> yeah. but yeah <laughs> but for now this is this is wonderful but um yeah and i think the i think some of the greatest writers are playwrights and so i think if you work on text that has amazing emotional transition and you know, there's a reason we perform these plays time and time again because the writing is just spectacular. So it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so when you, it's being a black box theater, right? So, <laughs> uh, you know, your filmography, uh, this is your fifth film, I think. I, I think I, about that. I was like, what, what is film? There's and some TV I anymore? include and some I don't as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> but th this, what, this is, you've been under 10, we'll say that, yes, right? Yes. Under 10 films, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But you are as we see in emancipation really coming into your own and you are 
making a statement in Hollywood that we haven't, that we don't get to see very often. And, and I remember seeing Emancipation and then the reviews hadn't dropped yet. And I was so scared to like read some of them because I, mm-hmm. it, this is a lazy comparison, but it is apt in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, I was like, Lupita Nyong'o, 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when people, some people are gonna say that's gonna sound so icky when they say it. <laughs> yeah. But it is that like birth of a star in front of us. Mm-hmm. So when you are here at this moment, and you look through what you've done to get here. What does th- what does that journey look like for you? Yeah, I mean, it has been like a long, special journey. Like, I just love the work. And so I'm just, you know, everything else is like a crazy bonus, but I love working hard. I love, um, like, that year of 2017. I think I, think I had a moment where I um, kind of saw a glimpse of my potential is, like, that year I think I did five plays – I wrote, produced, directed, and starred in my own like seven-part web series. I think I shot three movies and two short films. There was like 12 meaty projects that I did, and I was like, hey, I really love this. And I think that was really like it gave me my spine in terms of acting um, to carry through, and especially when you work in other parts of the industry as well, like writing and getting the directing experience as well. I just think you become like such a more holistically-based artist. And, um, and yeah, I've just seen everything that – came before me as an opportunity, you know? And um, and so I think when the audition for Emancipation came through, I was like, I'm ready. So where were you when you got that, that what does that uh, uh, call sheet, that audition sheet look like? What, where, where were you? And then what? How did, how did it go? Yeah, I, I mean, I was working on The Good Fight at the time and I always joke to my friends because I'm just so obsessed with acting. I want to be like on set and on yeah. stage all the time. And I think I had like a couple of quiet episodes on The Good Fight at the time and I was like whingy and I'm like, oh, I just want to be back in there. Yeah. And uh, strangely enough, like as fortune would have it, always when, you know, there's a quieter period, something magical comes through to audition. So I was in, it worked out great because I had the time to put the time in on that one. And, you know, I, I saw which, what level of creatives were attached and, you know, I'm a big Fuqua fan, Will Smith's iconic. Mm. Um, and, but it was reading the script, like Bill College's script is just like, I couldn't put it down. I read it like twice immediately. And I, I don't know. I just had this sense of the character immediately from reading it. So very drawn to it. Uh, when you got the part, uh, when you, when you, when you won, won the role, um, what was the, the preparation time? So like before you got to, did you get to meet Will? Did you, uh, did you rehearse at all? I met Will on set. (laughs) So it was, I was thrown in the deep end of the pool for sure. And, um, there was, I think it initially was, I think it was only like six weeks preparation, but um, I paid a couple of hurricanes to show up in uh, yeah. <laughs> Louisiana and had a bit more time. Yeah. So as, uh, as as one does, <laughs> as, as, as nature would have it, I, I got a bit more time, which was wonderful because I just felt like I could swim in that character mm. forever. You And if I remember correctly, I think you guys have two scenes together yes. in the film, right? Yep. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, and, but you feel their connection all mm. throughout. Mm. Uh, were you aware of the story of Peter? Because I, when I remember when I first heard about the project, yeah, and you know, inspired by true events, and I was like, I don't, I don't like who's Peter, like what is this? <laughs> and funny. then I looked. Um, then when I, it was all about the photo. It's like, oh, I know that mm. photo, and everyone knows the photo, but they don't like. 
yeah. know anything that's uh, surrounding you? How, where? Well, I first came about it when I was um, preparing for Doubt, a parable. Mm. And obviously that's set in 1960. It's a different uh, era, but, uh, you know, I researched pretty deep because with slavery and, you know, one of the questions I've got the most on this junket is why do we need another slavery movie? I'm like, it relates to every time period. <laughs> it, um, yeah, its uh, roots are deep. And so I came across the photo then and I was like, oh, wow, what a powerful image, but didn't really know the story of how it came to be or how it really kind of galvanized the start of the civil rights movement. And um, yeah, so when I read the script, I was like, oh my God, that's his story. Yeah. Like, amazing. Uh, you you bring up an interesting point, uh, and we don't talk about this enough, is the the global impact of, of slavery. Mm. Like, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm born in America, so I always look at it through the American lens. Yeah. And you're Australian. Mm. And I believe, uh, correct if I'm wrong, your, your family's from Zimbabwe. Yes, correct? no, you're, okay, all right, good. Right, you got it. I'll make sure I, I don't want to mess that up. <laughs> yes. um, so what, I don't think enough American listeners, audiences that are listening to this mm. right now, know what that, does the lens look the same for you as it does for people here? And, you know, I, and I've had the, and I'm shooting in South Africa right now. So I feel like I've had the opportunity to live in a lot of different places around the world. And it is, um, yes, it's, it's ever present. I think, you know, it, it's not an American only problem being black. Um, we face so many inequalities and, and, um, challenges in our lives. Um, but I think you do get to see, which I think was helpful for the film in a way, you get to see the different nuances of the way mm -hmm. each society kind of communicates your, the inequity to you. Um, and yeah, super fascinating, you know, uh, being in South Africa as well, just cause you feel the roots of apartheid over there. And so, um, yeah. It's, and then it's always interesting being over here as well. And, you know, um, I know people have spoken in the past about, okay, you're Australian, so how do you, like, tell this story? But it's like, you know, when I'm over here as well, like, you know, if I'm pulled over by the police, I'm still black. The accent doesn't do anything for me here. <laughs> yes. Uh, they just actually go, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are you talking funny? <laughs> yeah. Um, that, no, that's, 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 that's interesting. So mm. – um, I, I had Ben Foster here uh, oh, recently. God. That, that he, he's ben he's Foster. a terrible man, terrible, terrible <laughs> he human. His performance uh, is so good. I real. know. Like, he, he, uh, he and <laughs> I'm reminded of a, a story he told on the podcast. Yeah. And he said it was one day on set that Antoine called him into the trailer, and he said, "You have to see this." And he brought him into his trailer, and it was a scene with you and uh, the. No, I try to give spoilers away. There's a scene in which uh, your children are going to be taken away from you, and he said he watched it, and he he says this never happens that he started to cry, and he then he and he and he looked away, and then he told Antoine, "I feel like I shouldn't be watching this because it was so raw. He felt like he was seeing something that he had no right to see, almost mm. in a way." Mm. There are purest actors like Ben Foster, like Charmaine Bingwall, <laughs> that tap into something that stays with you for some time. Um, tell me about her and where she came from and mm. how she remains. Mm. Mm. I just like, sorry, I, yeah. I well up thinking about mm. her because I just adore her as a character and, um, you know, for me and, you know, my family, 
you know, my family's from Zimbabwe. They left just after the war. They experienced the Rhodesian War over there and they came over here. And um, to me, like my mother is someone who has gone through extreme adversity but has just always selflessly put her children and her family first. And I have grown up around black women who are strong and courageous and tender. So I – um you know, I felt like a great responsibility, not only because it was, it's, this film is, you know, has a lot of historical accuracy, but also because, um, you know, I felt like I was representing black women in a way, um, especially in this film. Um, and we're often marginalized or left off or, or left out completely. And I just really wanted to tell our story in a way that, uh, that perhaps hasn't been told before. And, um, you know, and, and, and I just, used every opportunity I could to, to, to bring her to life and to, um, fill her in and, and color in the gaps. Like, um, probably one of the, uh, the key moments that came to me and, and, you know, I'm an un relatively unknown actor. And I remember, um, there was a scene and it, it started off being a scene that was two lines, um, not giving any spoilers yeah. away, but when I'm with my children, okay. um, you know what I mean? Yeah, the scene. Yep. <laughs> For the people, we listening. call that the scene. Clayton that is nodding at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I yeah. got it. Yep. <laughs> um, and you know that was a two-line scene, and I, I I spoke to Antoine and the screenwriter Bill College, and I said, mm. I think she has more to say here. I think, I think that this is an important moment. I think it's a moment that is a rite of passage between her and her daughter because her daughter's coming of age is about to become a sexual target. Mm -hmm. um, I think she doesn't know if her family is going to stay together. I think she wants to remind them of the depths of who they are, of their culture, um, of the strength that's inside of them. I really, I, I, and I was like insistent. I'm like, she has more to say. And it is just a, like a huge credit to Antoine and Bill College's creators. Cause some people are like, don't you dare touch my script. Exactly. Don't touch my words. <laughs> Especially yeah. for some, you know, I think they might listen to Will Smith, but yeah, maybe yeah. not me, but, um, but they were like, we love it put it in. Mm. Great. And they let me write a monologue that said these things from her heart to her children. Um, you know, and then uh, I started singing to my children in that scene. I just tried to like, you know, I believe it's such a cliche, but I do believe there's no small parts. Mm. Um, and there's a lot that you can do with scenes. Like I worked with um, my voice coach to make sure that from the first second she spoke, you could hear the trauma that was in her voice. Like we added constriction to the way she spoke, but we still gave her an open throat so you could hear what a loving, kind, mo full mother she was. And because she really is the heartbeat of this story, yeah. um, he's going through all kinds of physical hell and, it, you know, and so she has to be the thing that draws him home. And and I remember we were shooting it um, and Anton was like, great, we've got it, we've got it. And I just yelled out, I'm like, Antoine, <laughs> I'm like, can I say it in Haitian Creole? And he was like, oh, um, okay. <laughs> and I was so, you know, sometimes you don't know if it's going to make it into the film or not, and it, and it all made it in. So um, it was, yeah, it was beautiful that, um, you know, he trusted me and uh, really supported me. And he was like, that's what I want from you. And it was one of the best filming experiences of my mm. life. Yeah. It's an artist. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Well done, Charmaine. Oh, uh, very thank well, you, very well, very well done. Appreciate it. I was scared to approach yeah. him. Don't uh, get me wrong. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's not easy. Like, like, go write a monologue real quick. Me. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Australian. Your time is done here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about uh, just bring it. Go to the good fight. One. Oh yes. Um, 
I, I imagine that you've gotten this disease called Broadway fever because you worked with Audra <laughs> and Christine. Oh, my God. Had, These women are delightful. Are, are you cured of that or, or are you just going to give in to and succumb I, to Broadway? Um, oh, one of our beautiful executive producers of the show, um, David Zucker, he would always take me to Broadway shows whenever he was in town and there. And I definitely caught the bug and was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I want to tread those boards. I, I mean, you dropped so, your uh, singer here. So I just like, oh, yeah. there's like a really good musical <laughs> oh, that, could, that could like, you know, if anyone's out yeah, there, just yeah. saying, just saying, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I absolutely would love to to do that. And um, gosh, like uh, that was like, one of the greatest things about being on the Good Fight—just these absolute titans of Broadway and yeah. Audra, Christine. They just—they're mind-blowingly talented. Let's go to the the elephant. Um, I my <laughs> the first uh, Oscar ceremony I ever attended was last year. Oh, nice. It's my first. Oh. I can't I can't go to any more though. <laughs> okay. Because they're not gonna compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be yeah. sitting there, I'm gonna go, damn. I thank everyone for trying to make it as memorable for me as possible. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. You picked me, um yeah. but I can't I, I said the only uh, this whole time after the aftermath of said incident, mm. I've I've never like you know. A lot of people had a lot of takes and were like angry and talking about whatever. Yes. I was like, I've never, I was never mad at Will mm. until I saw Emancipation. Cause then I was like, <sighs> damn. I was like, cause it's going to <sighs> be a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So part of that is what were your thoughts <laughs> sitting there when it happened and what has this un knowing ground that you've had to walk Mm. since that period up until the moment it premiered last night. Yeah. I mean, I was, I I didn't get to watch the ceremony that year because I was working on the good fight the next morning and I woke up and uh, my phone had blown up and I was like, what? And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Something happened. Um, And look, that's life, right? Things happen and uh, very unfortunate, but um, I know he's spoken quite openly and candidly about, you know, what happened, you know, as as best as he can processing the moment. Um, but I really, really appreciate it. And I just also have to say, like, my experience with Will and on the set, he is kindest, most generous, yeah. gracious leader and an exquisite talent. And um, But I really appreciate the way he has led with Don't Punish the Team. He's like, I just don't want um, my actions to punish the team. And, you know, because everyone – dug deep and, you know, everyone's saying it's a lot of people's career best work. Um, But, I, you know, and I think it's not what happens to you in life. It's what you do with it. And Mm -hmm. he, I'm sure it's been a very tough period for him. He apologized, took it on the chin and is doing everything he can so that this movie can um, be seen and everyone's work can be seen. So, yeah, you know. And, you know, fingers crossed that. But I really do believe in this movie so wholeheartedly as well. I think that – the message and what it's about is going to transcend it all. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read you uh, something that uh, maybe you read it because it was in my column uh, whenever I talked about emancipation that a member of the – because I'm the awards editor of Variety, so I look at Oscars and stuff like that. <laughs> talked to a member of the actors branch to ask them about – you know, they hadn't seen the movie yet. Um, and they gave this quote that I thought was very, very profound and says – uh, Mel Gibson keeps coming back, and mm. we know where he stands on people of color and Jews. Mm. Will got his beating. Everybody took swings at him in the media. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but now we can move on. If he's mm. good, then he's good. I And I mean, 
these are performance-based awards. Yeah. And I just um, – and he carries his film on his shoulders, and it's a grueling film from his perspective, so I yeah. have nothing but admiration for his talent. And um, you can only yep. hope, right? You can just hope everyone gives it a fair shot. And the last question, this is, this is the good stuff that you don't get to – you don't think of, <laughs> but you dream about with a shampoo bottle typically in the shower. <laughs> and it is – you're sitting with the awards editor at Variety uh, that sees awards potential in this film. It is not invisible to me that someone like yourself being nominated on top of the merits of it represents a underserved group of not only black women, Australian black women. I don't, I don't know. I, I, was, I was actually starting to think. I was like, where's our last Australian black woman? Like, Bringing like niche marginalization yeah, I was, I was, here. I, was, I, was, I really went deep there. It's a but, particular brand. You know, particular, of- but, I was, but black women in general, but also uh, one year after Ariana DeBose Ooh, yes. became the first queer woman of color to win supporting actress. Mm-hmm. And it was the most beautiful moment. She was also the second Latina to ever win an acting Oscar. Oh my God, and so well-deserved. You know, 60 years after the first (laughs) for the woman that played the same role. So all problems, we can can (laughs) digest another time, but it's got to, you're not unapologetic. You're not uh, shy Mm. about who you are. It's probably why I love you so much. Uh, Can you. you talk about what this... I don't say this tour, this moment in time is meaning to you. Um, yeah. And thank you. And, and, and so many things. Cause I mean, personally it was, it's been a long journey to get comfortable in my skin. And I know for people, you know, for, for queer people as well, it often is a long and hard journey to be comfortable with who you are and where you're at. And, I'm so happy and adamant about being open and I'm so proud, you know, of getting to that place and proud to be seen and represented. And, you know, it just means a lot because when I was a kid, I didn't see any of me reflected on TV and gosh, it would have made it an easier journey if I just knew it. Uh, my existence mattered yeah. and uh, I'm not abnormal and I can go on and lead a productive life and, you know, hopefully be a good influence on the world. So, um, yeah, and I'm just happy that we're in this place in society because it definitely has not always been that way. And there's a lot of people who came before me who have fought hard for for me to have the privileges that I'm here today. So if there's any way I can help with visibility, I'm all in. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's why this moment is so special for me. Mm. That's incredible. Um, I I have to ask this uh, because you know you're looking for. I, I want the next Charmaine Bingois role, please. Uh, <laughs> dream director, Oof. dream actor. Who do you want to Who do you want to work with? Oh, there's a long list, but let me uh, let me pick some people. I, uh, Jessica Chastain and Viola Davis come to mind immediately when I think actresses. Mm. Long admired them both, and they've been lucky enough to work together before. Um, Oh gosh, so 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 many directors, but um, oh, you know I'm like I'm a huge Aronofsky fan, um, and and I'm so drawn to so many of the amazing black powerhouse directors we're getting now. Like you know that 
that are here now, like Ryan Coogler, uh, Barry Jenkins. Uh, I need Barry Jenkins ooh. to grab you up. I, yeah, Barry, I would... he listens sometimes. Oh, to good, the, okay. So Barry, <laughs> nabber. You know, yeah. um, and and the great black female directors that are around as well. So I just, um, yeah, I'm so excited about what's ahead. And, and you know, I'm, I, I write as well, so I think there are some things that I want to be, that I'm putting into motion too. So I'm just excited yeah. about everything that lays ahead. That's Charmaine Bingwa of Emancipation, which opens in select theaters on December 2nd and hits Apple TV Plus on December 9th. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, Head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. Oh, oh, oh.